0: I was living in a devil town,
1: I didn't
0: know it was a devil town, oh lord, it really brings me down about the devil Welcome town.
1: Welcome to the Devil's Junkie Podcast, this is Ralph Amston. I'm joined by Brett Quintine and Chili, as always, and we're recording this episode on the 20th anniversary of Arizona State's 19 to nothing win over two-time defending champion, and number one at the time, Nebraska, what has become really the hallmark victory for um, this generation, for Arizona State football fans. A lot of fans can sort of trace their fandom back to that moment. Um, I definitely remember where I was. I, I was at home alone uh, watching that happen on TV. It was in the middle of what I consider to be the best like season of football uh, for me, real formative. you know, My, my Wyoming Cowboys... Uh, finished that year, ranked top 25, but missed out on a bowl game thanks to BYU. And I also, you know, got to kind of come of age watching Arizona State uh, with, with with what were some wild uh, Pac Conference wins, uh, and then also this win. Um, you know, where where they had several safeties uh you got to watch Jake Plummer sling the ball around you got to watch Pat Tillman play defense um Keith Poole it was just it was just a fantastic time to be an Arizona State fan and it's a game that not just Arizona State fans remember but uh people from all over the country because it it really shocked sort of the college football ecosystem at the time uh either of you two remember anything about
0: uh that that victory uh my dad my dad graduated from ASU and stuff so uh and obviously uh my relationship with uh, the Kush family and stuff. Um, I was there at the game, and I remember the excitement. It was electric. It was uh, like it was crazy. I've never quite seen uh, Sun Devil Nation as rabid as they were. Um, they were hyped, and there were a lot of Nebraska fans there too that weren't so hyped as the, as the game went <laughs> on. Um, every safety in that game, um, there were three of them. Every safety seemed to be more demoralizing than the previous one. Um, it, was, it, was, it was amazing, it was amazing. Uh, so the night before the game, they had the presentation of the Frank Cush field um, to Frank, to uh, Coach Cush for everything that he's done for the university and the football program and stuff. And you know, it, it was surreal that it would happen like that right after that occasion, it was, it was just crazy.
2: I can tell you, for me, I was probably about as far away from the game as humanly possible, just in the sense that I was in the midst of the whole now defunct, we'll say, Big East conference. But what I do recall is, yes, it was certainly a signature victory because at that point in time, yes, there was a lot of cable TV, of course, but nowhere near to the point where it was now. And what I do remember is, yes, the champ goes down. And any time in college football that number one loses, to me, that's what makes college football great is, wow, all right, we're going to have a new number one. So I do recall that being a big ASU victory. I can't necessarily attach it to my fandom, but on the college le- football landscape,
1: certainly a big game. So uh, here we are talking about a 3-0 and Arizona State team, maybe not 3-0 and the way uh, that some people would necessarily have liked. Uh, I think that the thought was they were going to go into San Antonio, they were going to go on the road, and they were they were going to uh, take care of the Roadrunners, a program that's really only been around for the, the last handful of years um, who are, are starting a bunch of players who um, probably wouldn't be fighting for playing time on this Arizona <laughs> State roster. So it's a little bit frustrating to see Arizona State struggle, and not only struggle, but try to give the game away. Um, two mishandled punt returns turned into 14 points on I think three total play. I mean just yeah, it quick. for UTSa and it put Arizona State in a situation where they had to come back from down 16 in the second half. Uh, one of their largest comebacks over the last you know 15 years, where they had to come back in the second half uh, and come away with a 32 to 28 win. I guess I'll just ask you guys your your first impressions, your initial impressions. Uh, Of that game and that victory and how maybe they changed throughout the week Very sluggish. This was obviously a game that yes, we
2: expected a, a blowout certainly a solid win and this was anything But that they of course made some mistakes What I like though is and we talked about it briefly this win Over the course of any season, you need that game-turner. And this might have been it in a sense of it was a come-from-behind win. They've won a shootout. They've won a blowout in Week 1. You need games like this. You need to realize you're not going to be ahead in every game. Certainly, we have seen this team uh, evolve. They've battled some injuries. But to be able to overcome some injuries and also to overcome mistakes, which they definitely made last Friday night and come out ahead, that, that's huge. I think that's a huge victory for them to win a game in which they did not play
0: very well. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I think this ASU football team was um, metaphorically just drunk off of the Texas Tech win still. And um, they ran into this UTSA team that was fully ready to try to beat them. And ASU persevered, you know, it's like surviving, it's surviving like the ugly girl at the bar. And this ASU team completely survived the situation and was able to, you know, stick it out. It it was a lot tougher game than I think any of us anticipated. Definitely. And I do agree with Brett, they were a little sluggish. Um, They came out a little bit sluggish. Nikhil is still the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, might be freshman of the year. He might be following in the, um, I hate to say the footsteps, but he might be following in the footsteps of like Christian Kirk with that type of impact. Um, he's so good. And Pro
1: Football Focus is saying he's better than Christian
0: Kirk right now. I mean, they came out and said that he's the
1: number, he, they gave him the number one grade through three weeks of any receiver in the country. Number one in the country, not for freshmen, but for anyone, for anyone.
0: Um, I think last week I said that I thought that, you know, he he was the guy. <laughs> he's, he the, he's the best player. Like, I, th- I think he's the key. Like, DJ Khaled, he he's, he's the key right there. Um, I, I can't say enough about Nikhil. Like, um, he's everything that I thought that, um, L- that Jefferson was going to be. Like, I thought that District 19 was going to be everything that Nikhil is this year. And Nikhil's doing it as a freshman. With all the weight of the world on his shoulders, the number one recruit that ASU has ever had, homegrown, homegrown, um, man, I, I, proud of that kid, man. Like Chandler, like we've watched him play for so long, and he deserves this. Um, I think Ralph, I think me and you agree. Like he was, he was a, nothing against the coaching that he received in high school. He was a little bit misused though. Um, yeah, yeah. He
1: he he's he doesn't necessarily fit in. With the traditional spread, you want to get the ball in his hands. So, yeah, he—he'll he'll, he'll Really long story, but he—he'll he, he never
0: wasn't, tell you that. He'll never yeah. complain. He's a no, team he guy, team first. Yeah, and he's humble, quiet, soft-spoken. He's not, you know, he's not Calvin Johnson or Calvin or Johnson, since <laughs> Calvin Johnson had that alter ego with Diddy or whatever. But, you know, he's a mini Megatron without the without all the complexities. There's yeah. nothing to not love about Nikhil Harry.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I'll say I did not think he would be this good this quick. I mean, as we mentioned, we've saw him in high school. We've seen him progress. We know he worked hard throughout the course of the spring, etc. But at the same time, for him to really start dominating the second he got on the field at the D1 level, it's like, wow. I mean, he's been
0: in great shape. He's He's the man. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. And I want to make something clear. Prize local recruit, we had to scoop before everybody. So you want to scoop on these local recruits, devilsdigest.com. Get the subscription, tune in, hang out with us. There's no way me and Ralph don't kind of know, aren't sniffing around stuff before, like, you know, things are officially official. Like, we kind of are going to put the bait out there, but we're not going to set anybody up. Like, we kind, we kind of knew, like, we kind of had a feeling. And we kind of knew what was going on. Devilsdigest.com, ArizonaVarsity.com, like you, you, want, you want the inside, inside, inside? Yo, get those subscriptions, for reals.
1: And I, th- I think, and I definitely, I like to let, you know, the, the work we do kind of speak for itself, but yeah, I mean, we, we were definitely all over the local recruiting scene last year, and I, I would say that uh, I don't think anybody has had the amount of information that you, Chili, had. Uh, with any local recruiting class going into to Arizona State. Um, I mean, it was just we, we, we knew what Nikhil was going to do. We kind of whiffed on Byron based on what he was telling us, um, Byron Murphy. But as far as everybody else, you know, we, we, were, we go out to these games. You know, I'm going to be at close to 40 games this year. You guys are in similar situations. You're going to be, you know, closing in on, on, on 30 games. And, and this is a situation where... Uh, you know, we we do this because we like to. You know, mm-hmm. we're not out there, you know, rolling in bank or anything like that. It's it's great to see some of these kids put in work. You know, we were out at uh, a tiny matchup last week uh, between Scottsdale Christian Academy and Tempe Prep, a two two a matchup and, and to see if a player out there who was a freshman this year is for real and if you want to know more about it devilsdigest.com we've got some really good information for you about a guy who everyone's going to know his name uh months maybe weeks from now so uh follow chili's advice subscribe devilsdigest.com everything you want to know is in there uh, but with Nikhil he's got me picking on him I mean I'm I'm looking at Nikhil Harry right now as a guy who's prepping for the 2017 NFL draft. Like, I'm, I'm looking at him laying out for a ball in the first quarter mm-hmm. that he probably shouldn't have. Uh, I'm looking at him dominating a block or scaring a, a defensive back into just sort of dropping to the ground and not moving on with that block right away and, sure. and, and creating more room down the field. I'm genuinely, like, treating Nikhil... Uh, I'm, it's at the point where he's playing well enough where you're just looking for little things to nitpick to find out how good he can actually be. And we talked about this last week. I don't think he's fully got a grasp on everything yet. There's Correct. Just, there's just no way... Uh, that a, you know a, a freshman can come out and perform this well physically. We've seen it before uh, in different quarterbacks and running backs, not often in wide receivers do we see this. Um, but any player will tell you that it's usually going into your second year in your third that you really mentally feel like you start you start to gu- you know you have the routine down and everything like that. So I mean I'm, I'm really at the point where Nikhil's playing so well that he just has me picking on him. And, uh, and and I'm sure that he wouldn't necessarily have it any other way. He wants to be the best, you know, and he goes about it quietly. But he, he, really does, um, he really does want to be the best. And that's something that stood out for me too this week. Another thing that stood out was the play of Manny Wilkins. I think we're starting to see some things that could potentially be a concern down the line. You know, he's overthrowing Nikhil. He's underthrowing Cam Smith. He's hesitant to go over the middle. He is getting oh. effed up when he runs the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, he took a couple of hits in this game that I I was surprised he got up from. And that's a problem. You know, he delivers the company line like I probably won't be jumping over anybody anymore after that first signature leap. Correct. Uh, and then he does it again the next week, and then we come to kind of expect it, and it's exciting and awesome. But in the back of your head, if you're a football fan, especially if you're rooting for this team, you know it's probably not the best idea and one of these times he's going to get caught. And oh my God. Against UTSA, did he get lit up a couple of times? Um, Are there any concerns that stand out to you after these couple of games? Or do you think this was a a kind of a rust game, first road start? Alamo Dome was rowdy. um, Or or are there some things in there that that you start to kind of worry about with him? I'm going to say it's growing pains. I mean, I
2: think he has control of this offense. We do see some, uh, I'll, I'll say we'll see... Mistakes, I mean, you, it's it's tough to overthrow Nikhil. He's a guy who obviously can jump out, the, uh, out of the gym, but I put it on his inexperience. I mean, this was only, his, as we mentioned, his third start overall and first on the road. So I don't put a whole lot of stock in this. I'd like to see him improve week by week. And I'd like to think that maybe by week nine, and just picking that out of a random, after he's gone through various uh, Pac 12 teams. But yeah, I don't think this is of any major concern. I think he'll realize, and as long as he's a student of the game and he's watching himself, and obviously that's, of course, what the coaching staff is for. But a he'll a improve. I don't think he's a uh, anything to be concerned about at this point.
0: I'm not too concerned with uh, what Mahoney's doing. I, you know, I do think that, you know, maybe it is growing pains. You know, he's. He's he's a rookie still. Mm-hmm. This is his first time, you know. He he's still trying to get a hold of it. Um he's maybe he's maybe he's overthrowing Nikhil. Maybe Nikhil's underrunning the route. Like I mean it could go both ways. They're both young and they both got so much room for error because they both have so much room for growth. Um I'm going to try to take the positives out of this and just say, you know, um this is a good setup for what's to come. Um it is. You I, know, I agree. They make these mistakes now because they won't make them later. Um, as fans, we're going to pay the price watching some of this and get frustrated now so that we don't get frustrated later. And then think about this, and
2: Ralph will probably even kind of lead us into later. We're seeing growing pains and we're seeing mistakes, but we're also seeing a 3-0 and team. And that, to me, is
1: just dynamic.
0: This, this time last year, we weren't looking at the same situation. No.
1: And, I mean, you're, you're going to see some additions and some improvements. Uh, this didn't feel necessarily like a vanilla game. We brought that up about NAU. They really opened up the playbook against Texas Tech. But it also didn't necessarily feel like they game-planned for this, the way that they do some of these Pac-12 North and Pac-12 South matchups, um, where, you know, you have opposing coaches holding up towels and and things like that. So, you know, it, it's, it's potentially... True that they they I won't say that they underestimated UTSA, um, but that they weren't necessarily throwing the full kitchen sink in there. Uh, I was genuinely concerned by the the drops on pot return. Um, Gumpe is responsible for one, Kalen Balage for the other. Balage I'm not going to throw too much blame his way because I think he he you know he had that juice from last week. Yep. You try to take a ball off the bounce, and I, even, I think I even tweeted, you know, you really can't blame somebody who was Superman last right. week for feeling like <laughs> Superman this week and, and trying to do something super. So, uh, you know, that he's not necessarily a guy that you expect to see out on punt return. Um, so then you get Gump Hayes out there. He has experience. He's muffed a couple of punts in the past. He does the same thing. Then they pull Tim White off the sideline. Which is wasn't he supposed to play. Exactly. He returns a punt that he really shouldn't have. Uh, and then it's kind of his job to fair catch from now on out. Um, but that's a role where um, if you're going to burn somebody's red shirt, I think they've played like eight guys already who are in their first year at ASU. If you're going to burn somebody's red shirt and throw someone out there uh, on special teams, that's maybe... A time when you'd want to use Chase Lucas. Obviously, from the beginning of the game, he's not going to be your third go-to when you're, you've are you already got stuff going on. It's not going to be a desperate adjustment. But if you're not going to have Tim White for a game, Chase Lucas has the mindset of a return. Yeah, he does. He's the right kind of crazy. True. If, if that makes sense. Like true. He, no, you're right. I remember in a, a high school game, we watched him one time try to because if the ball crosses the goal line in the air in high school it's immediately blown dead correct he used to stand at the goal line with his heels just outside of the white and if they would try to kick it over his head he would try to jump up and tip it to himself so the ball wouldn't cross the white so he'd have a chance to return it and I've never seen him muff one but he's just he's the right kind of crazy and he has that athleticism and it's a position where his weight and his frame which it does need it. to get bigger it won't count against him hmm uh, obviously this is something that they don't hopefully have to get into. But if Tim White, his injury is going to linger, um Gump Hayes I think has pretty much shown that this probably isn't a role for him. Cale Blush, you know, he's been on kick return. But y- you watch just like how bad you look trying to fill that punt off the bounce. Maybe he's not the guy for it. I watched Robbie Robinson drop a few kickoffs uh, when we were up uh, in Payson. And so I'm thinking maybe Chase Lucas could be a guy that you put it. You know, back, back up returner or start to work in that way uh, so that he possibly sees the field. Um, I'm not necessarily sure, but special teams didn't just cost them points, it also saved the day with Zane Gonzalez making 250 plus yard field goals, making one over 40. Mm-hmm. Is this an NFL player? Zane Gonzalez? Yes. Yes. Yes, he is. I just think that he's. Uh,
2: his accuracy, his uh, his leg, yeah, he came up short, but at the same time, I think he's a guy who, and it's weird, kickers are, I'm gonna use the word fickle, but I think next year, this time, we'll see him on an NFL roster. I think he has that makeup and know-how.
0: Legatron, <laughs> I love the nickname. Shout out, to, <laughs> and shout out to who. oh, he, it, it's done though. Now <laughs> that he's got it, it's forever. Um, if you,
1: so if your quarterback gives you a nickname, that's
0: it. It's forever. Manny Wilkins. Shout out to Manny Wilkins. Legatron. <laughs> like, it is so... And the, and the logo that went out for it, uh, I believe Devil's Digest retweeted it. Um, follow, give us follow on Twitter, at Devil's Digest. Man, hilarious. Um, yes, NFL kicker, for mm-hmm. sure.
1: I mean, we, Dirk Cutter, who we've seen make... He, he's no stranger to interesting decisions when it comes to football. Uh, he, he was just here this last week taking a 40 7 lead from the Arizona mm-hmm. Cardinals. Uh, might have been familiar for a few Arizona sports fans. Um, but he used a second round pick on Robert Aguayo last year. Uh, and that hasn't necessarily paid off, but we've seen kickers go early. Janikowski's, what, in his 10th year in the league? And Ricky the, race, least the used tenth, a first round yeah. pick on him. So, he was mm-hmm.
0: different. He was different. I don't know. I don't know if Zane's there, but, but
1: uh, I mean, is he? Is he? We say yeah. He's an NFL player. Is he a drafted NFL? Player? Oh yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I I'd say the bottom draft third day. Right, yeah, third day. Yeah, I was gonna say round six or third seven. Day, yeah, third day.
0: Yes.
1: Third day, easy. Yeah. Unless
0: he starts showing that he can hit that sixty yarder consistently, right. I, I say third day for sure.
1: I mean, and this is a guy. This is a guy who makes sure that you never have to really do much on kick returns.
2: Let alone that part is even. Bigger, perhaps, in the
0: three points. Sometimes it's just marketing. That electron nickname catches, and you get the Gros Award, and like, you know, you hit you a couple sixty yarders. I mean, maybe you find yourself, you know, a second day guy. Like, I mean, maybe. I mean, third when
1: round. It, Arizona State fans probably recall Thomas Weber had a really great freshman year and then kind of trailed off. And in his four years as a, as a kicker, there, thing's going to leave with every record, possibly mm-hmm. NCAA records, and and. You know, some who might not have seen him play will say that's a matter of longevity and uh, Arizona State's own offensive problems in in the red zone or in their in their own area. But the truth is, you know, he has gotten better every single year. They didn't even want him on kickoffs as a sophomore. You know, he really wasn't doing that great of a job. He's a post-signing day addition as a freshman and really um, got to give kudos to Todd Graham because that's before Sean Slocum was even here. Right. So what a great find for them, and he kind of saves the day. Um Defensively, I wasn't super impressed with uh, with what ASU was doing against UTSA. Obviously, they're going to have some personnel uh, in, injected into um, into the, the lineup this week against Cal. Salomo Fiso is going to be back. Uh, Lion Mocchiola will be back in his old position uh, and, and is supposedly healthier as healthy as he's been. Um, you'll probably see less Wiley. You'll probably see less Carlos Mendoza if Christian Sam's ready to go. And these are guys that uh, you they are showing why they weren't necessarily first string. I think Wiley's mm-hmm. having some trouble tackling. Carlos Mendoza, uh, he's he, he, he's doing some good things. But at the same time, uh, there were a couple of occasions where he struggled to know kind of even what the play call was and, and struggled in coverage, which kind of used to be what, what you thought he would be good at as a linebacker. But now he's a lot bigger, a little bit... Little bit uh, I won't say slower, but less athletic. And and so you, you look at some of these guys, and obviously they need replacing. Uh, you need to get healthy. Uh, do you feel like Arizona State going against a better offensive team in Cal is going to be a better in a better place defensively with these additions? That might sound like an easy yes, but you have to take Cal's offense into account. Uh Fiso is kind of a, a run stuff where Cal isn't really I mean they run the ball they have a couple of guys who are really really good in the running game um, but you know you're, the quarterback doesn't really take off a lot of quick passes do you think it will make a difference or is this just going to be a shootout
2: I think it's going to be a shootout not as much of a shootout as the Texas Tech game but we're going to see some points scored it'll be good to see Essentially, the first string back. You gotta have Fisa. You gotta have Christian Sam back. Essentially, these are your top two tacklers from a year ago. So if they're not out there, that defense is that much more vulnerable. We've seen them vulnerable through the first three games. So now you have a high-scoring Cal team coming to town. So you gotta have your best, regardless of how the matchups may work out. But yeah, you definitely have to have those two in the lineup to even really give yourself a fighting chance against a Golden Bear team.
0: Um. I do think it's going to be a shootout of some sort and i'm okay with that right now um it seems like based on like these last uh two games we're, we're okay with the shootout um based on the nau game it looks like we're okay with a slugfest too um seeing as how nau kind of delivered a punch because the sun devil can
2: score so that's the one great thing right. about the points.
0: we're not seeing the same problems that we saw last year mm-hmm. um actually though uh, what I found fascinating was uh, I think you put an article, Ralph, up in the forums, uh, Devils, in DevilsDigest.com forums, uh, in the Devils Huddle, um, about the last time Dave's Webb played us, and he was with Texas Tech or whatever. Uh, was that you that that was you that wrote that? Right?
1: Um, I I, 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 <laughs> I put a lot the um, forum, but he I, played the twenty thirteen Holiday Bowl, yeah, yeah, I,
0: Holiday Bowl and he it off. I was
1: at that it, game. Yeah, yeah
0: and it, it was it was kind of interesting that you know things would come full circle for him. And now, you know we kind of get to see him again, and I, you know, I I don't think that he's um, changed much since then. So I don't expect to see anything new. I don't expect to see um, him dive into a bag of tricks and surprise us with anything really. Um, I think the Devil should be able to contain him a little bit um, within Devil's means, which means he might throw you know, three, three or four plus, touchdowns. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that just means that uh, the combinations of Manny and Nikhil and um, Bellage and Richard and whoever, they're gonna have to. I mean,
2: traditionally this ASU team is going to play, I shouldn't even say traditionally, moving for they're gonna play a lot of high scoring games this year because they have the offense and they don't have that stuffing defense that let's say maybe a Stanford or someone has. So yeah, I'm cool with
1: 40 to 30 wins on most weeks. Right. They're still killing the run. Uh, They've surrendered 82 rushing yards on 57 carries to non-quarterbacks. So we're talking about less than one and a half yards a carry. They've traditionally held opponents, especially running backs, to a little over three yards a carry over Todd Graham and Keith Patterson's tenure. Um, And and the Pac-12, you can run the ball. And so Mm -hmm. that has always sort of been Arizona State's strength this year, perhaps better than any year, and you're getting FISO back and, Sam, um, Cal will run the ball. As, as I mentioned, they'll run the ball. Davis Webb won't run the ball. Correct. And so I, I've always personally felt like Arizona State has had a harder time game planning against quarterbacks that just sort of go out there and do whatever the hell comes so to mind. a freelance quarterback. Exactly. Like they will give up, like Chili said, they'll give up a lot of passing yards to, to quarterbacks who can throw. Uh, but when you have super athletic guys back there who just kind of improvise, Uh, whether that was the Oregon game last year or this UTSA game. Dalton Sturm went out and played like Mm -hmm. a madman. He had no fear of ASU. He would just randomly take off running, broken plays. He didn't care. He's athletic. He's got a little bit of an arm. And that's not necessarily a guy you would have spent a ton of time game planning for because it's UTSA. Uh, I feel like you're almost in a better position with a bunch of years of film and experience against Davis Webb. You know he's not going to take off running. So you don't necessarily have to spy him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so you're in a situation when you do drop people back into coverage. You, you, You don't have to worry about that element of it. And you've proven that in between the tackles, you're going to really stop their running back from making an impact. So it's all going to fall on Davis Webb to be consistent yep. with his arm the way that Patrick Mahomes, you know, who can run, had to try to be consistent all the way through the fourth quarter with making the right throws. And I think that creates a really big burden for Cal if they're not able to run the ball and Davis Webb is one-dimensional to have Davis Webb deliver on every single drive all the way throughout the game. Because one thing that Cal does is they give up a lot of rushing yards, close to 300 yeah. rushing yards a game. And that's what Arizona State wants to do is they want to pound the rock. Arizona State's not even averaging 300 rushing yards a game. So you might see something, you know. A slight tweak in offensive game plan, which I think would be extremely smart because, I mean, we know what DeMiro
2: Richard can do when he gets the ball, let's say, 30 times. We know what Kalen Balaj can do when he gets the ball 12 times. I don't necessarily think he'll score eight touchdowns on saturday but at the same time having two quality guys who can run the ball that is something asu wants to do it's not something that the golden bears can really defend
1: necessarily well so yeah i they running is is going to be big and i'm so i've watched cal two weeks in a row uh you watched cal i right did against it, texas yes. uh the, the team you root for texas. correct and uh Cal got a little bit of a gift there at the end of the game. They were already losing, uh, or Texas was already losing. But at the same time, Cal gets a little bit of a gift from the refs. Uh, They go from losing to San Diego State, which is probably the best team in the Mountain West. I'd put them Mm even above Boise State right now. Uh, They go from losing to San Diego State to beating Texas, who was ranked like 13th in the country at the time. And so you you might be wondering what to expect from this team. Uh, Well, let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, if you're an Arizona State fan, you know Davis Webb. You can probably put him on the level of a Luke Falk or a Connor Halliday. It's another air raid system. They came from, you know, this came from Sonny Dykes running at Louisiana Tech. He has experience coaching against Todd Graham way before this. Um, Cal has some talent, mm-hmm. and they have some players who. Uh, it's, it's kind of a lot like ASU. They've got some elite players. Um, But at the same time, they've also got players who really um, they're hoping to out recruit themselves and plug those holes later on. So let's talk about some of their players. The young guys, um, they got uh, a kid named Demetrius Robertson, who is one of the top 20 players in the country uh, who I think they have him playing at receiver. I actually went out to Baltimore and watched him try to cover Nikhil Harry. Uh, and oh, at the and rivals camp. yeah, exactly. Okay. At the rivals came in 2015. Um, Nikhil wore him. I mean, he he was on Nikhil like a blanket. Nikhil <clears throat> still made every catch. This is a talented kid on both sides of the ball. Um, you know they they've got they've got another uh, freshman wide receiver um, who could make a really really big impact this year. Uh, they have a receiver <laughs> who was at Idaho State, Idaho State, and decided that he belonged in Division. Um, Belonged in Division One, and sent his tape, I believe, out to San Diego State and Arizona State. Arizona State told him to stay where he was at, and uh, he decided that uh, to go to Cal. and, and Sunny Dykes gave him a home. His name's Chad Hansen, and he's a red shirt junior. Uh, he's only on pace to break every single record that exists for a single season. And that's um, crazy. Yeah, I think he had 14 catches, 12 catches, and 14. Back-to-back weeks made Texas look silly. He's he he was out for vengeance against San Diego State. Had almost 200 yards receiving. Did the same exact thing against four and five-star recruits at Texas. Now he's looking at Arizona State, trying to say like, "Hey, you didn't think that I was told good you enough." So. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's going to be dangerous. Uh, that freshman receiver I was talking about is Keith Stovall. He's somebody Arizona State recruited extensively. Um, and so they've got just super dangerous wide receivers. Offensive line isn't necessarily super talented. Neither is the defensive line. The defensive backs are guys that ASU, uh, a couple of them are guys that ASU actually passed on, um, who uh, I think went, uh, a couple of them went the JUCO route before ending up at Cal. Um, one, the one that most people remember is Luke Rubinzer. Yep. Uh, who was at Saguaro, who wanted to play quarterback, who Arizona State didn't offer. Cal offered him as a quarterback. He split time with number one overall pick, Jared <coughs> Goff, sure. as a true yeah. freshman, as sort of a running specialist, has made the switch to safety and is making an impact. Uh, had a big interception before halftime against Texas. ASU fans should be familiar with him. Uh, AJ Greathouse from Hamilton High, he's actually out for the season. But they have, uh, they have another... Defensive back Marlon Franklin Jr., who is getting playing time, who was out at Chandler High School and went to Mesa Community College, went with Cal as his only offer. And so there are some guys that ASU looked at, kicked the tires on, passed on, uh, who are out at Cal uh, who, who are going to try to be proving something. There are some people on the offensive side of the ball who are going to try to be proving something. I mean, Cal is out for blood in this game. I think Arizona State's probably lucky – to be at home. Uh, but I want to get your overall sense your and your predictions for this game. This is one game I think you said it best. It's good that they're
2: home because I'll definitely say coming from the East Coast, watching some of those late night Pac-12 games, they tend to get very wacky and ridiculous. So this being a home game, obviously ASU has that mild advantage. It's going to be a shootout. It won't be like the Texas Tech game where the winner had 68 points. But at the same time, I think ASU has more than enough weapons, I'm even going to say on both sides of the ball, especially if everybody's healthy, to pretty much control this game. I just don't see, I don't want to say I don't see ASU falling flat. They're obviously going to have to pick it up against what the, I'm going to say, a very lackluster performance against the Roadrunners. The Golden Bears, as I said earlier, they can sling it, but I think ASU
0: is going to win this game. I'm, I'll say let's let's go 38-28. Wow, 38-28. Um, I think it, I think it's going to be a shootout, a little bit closer. Um, I think it's going to be something like 41-35 or 41-38. ASU. So a little bit closer. Okay. Yeah. ASU will win this See, one. See, I
2: just think that ASU is consistently going to not necessarily have the lead, but I think they're going to be in control of the game more, which is why okay. I'm just thinking more of a 10 to 12, 10 to 14
1: point difference. I'm not sure there's going to be much of a coaching advantage in this game, especially since Jake Spavadol is the offensive coordinator of Cal. Uh, you might remember him from orchestrating Texas A&M's win over Arizona State last year. They did have some uh, help on the defensive line as well as Christian Kirk on special teams, so you can't really credit Spavital for that entire victory. But he is familiar with Todd Graham. He has game planned against this defense before and had some success. So uh, and Sonny Dykes knows Todd Graham about as well as about as well as anybody. So uh, coaching wise, I, I think it's kind of a wash. Offense wise, I think it's probably a wash uh, because Cal can attack ASU's weakness and ASU can attack Cal's weakness. So that really leaves you on the, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and with Arizona State being so stout against the run um, and being able to run the ball and take possibly a little bit of time off the clock, I feel like Arizona State has the advantage in this game. I called this game last year saying that Cal would win on a field goal uh, because there had been no games decided by a field goal all year, and I figured there had to be one. Uh, Didn't feel very good about being right about that, but that was out in Berkeley Mm -hmm. after Thanksgiving. It was a a late game, right? Yes. Uh, This is more routine. This is at home. This is after a scare. This is getting players back. I think Uh, this is where special teams comes in. Yeah. To know that Cal
2: is always going to start, for the most part, not ever past their own 25 is
1: big. Right. So the one thing that it really comes down to for me is do you get pressure? And that's going to fall to Goodman, and that's going to fall to Wicker. This is this is really um, this is really the defensive line's game to show. And when I say good line, it's uh, Smallwood, Sean Smallwood, uh, JoJo Wicker, and then it's really going to fall to them to make the impact, to make Davis Webb rush some throws, so that people like Gump can jump in front of a pass or two, make a play, make up for last week, and and we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, This is also going to be big for recruiting. Arizona State hasn't actively really been out offering kids i think they just offered their first kid in in, all, in almost two months uh a 2018 quarterback from georgia and so they're, they're going to be people watching this is going to be one of the last games it's actually on a saturday not a friday so kids can watch uh, and i think this will be a nice uh, win if they can get this win uh push into the real recruiting season where you're going to see them offering a lot of 2018s that's good. Uh, Especially kids who are looking at Cal because they, they went to battle with Cal for several players last year. Lost a few of them. Travion Beck was one of them, you know. And so these are, these are two teams that are going to be recruiting a lot of the same players. Uh, and, and Arizona State, uh, getting a win over them would be really, really big. Uh, and with the rest of the Pac-12 going to, to hell. I was going to say. Uh, this not is the Pac-12 cr- North, but the Pac-12 right. South.
2: It's an influx. It's just, it's. It's a weird conference, and you just never know when that one win against any given opponent is a difference in whether just a full game or a tiebreaker. So yeah, the right. Pac-12
1: is it's open. You the South. You have to take advantage. I mean, USC just changed quarterbacks. When do they ever change quarterbacks in the middle of the year? They just dismissed one of their best offensive linemen, mm-hmm. young offensive linemen, uh, for allegedly having uh, a physical argument with the coach. Clay Helton says it didn't happen because he'd be dead if he got hit. Uh, but sure. E.J. Price is gone off the team. Uh, Osa Messina uh, was a guy that ASU almost landed. Is off the team for some pretty you know, garbage reasons, Snapchatting mm-hmm. a potential sexual assault. Uh, and then they have another uh, offensive lineman who attacked a referee, uh, and then they've only managed to muster one touchdown against the two decent opponents that they've played in Alabama and Stanford. UCLA has Adrian Clem hit with a show-cause penalty. They've got Josh Rosen out there talking like the absolute savior of football for the future, but that's not what coaches want him to be be doing right now. I really, really like the guy, but there's definitely a lot of – a lot of internal tensions there. Utah had one of their best players medically retire. Colorado's entire season might have gone down the toilet if Cepho Lufau can't stay yeah. healthy. He had them up twenty-one to seven on on Michigan in the big house. Uh, and and then University of Arizona just dismissed a player for putting his hands on, mm-hmm. on multiple yes. <laughs> women, uh, and 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 they also have a quarterback controversy now and have they almost Lost a Grambling. Yeah, they almost lost a Grambling, and so you look at all of this stuff going on, and you, if you're Arizona State, you have to take advantage. Mm-hmm. You have to get off to a good start. You have to at least split with these LA schools. Yeah. And if you can start this season five and one, when a lot of people thought, I mean, when you had writers saying you are only going to win three games than anything else on top of that is gravy, really
0: is. I thought this team from, the, from jump was gonna win somewhere around like seven or eight games. Um, I'm really encouraged by this 3 star, really, really encouraged um, by some of the things that I'm seeing and the potential for growth. Um, I'm almost willing to make bets and move this to nine or 10 wins on the season. But I'm going to hold off on that for now. But I will be in the message boards talking crazy. My Thursday throwdown is coming back. I've had a little glitch with uh, my iPhone. I'm battling my iPhone 6. I think it knows I'm jumping to the 7. So, um, you know, I do think that, you know, this ASU team on the anniversary, the 20th anniversary of that very, very special year, I think that they could be capable of some very, very special things.
2: I agree. I mean, last week we talked about the win total, and I'd said 6-6 and prior to the, I guess we'll say the Texas Tech game. They won that, obviously. It was, well, it wasn't almost a given, but we figured they would be 3-0 and after uh, last Friday. I'm going to say this is a 9-win team. I mean, I I think they're going to get the breaks. I mean, I've liked what I've seen. Um, Like you said, the growth, the Pac-12, you can just never figure. I mean, you rattle off every team's problems, and... I think the Sun Devils can take full advantage. So, yeah, I think a 6-3 and three conference record
0: is in play. And, and, Ralph, you bring up every other team's problems. I think we're getting over ours. I think we're yeah. getting over our um, rookie jitters or freshman jitters. And I think that we are now moving into something else that is now just growth. I think that all our problems could very well be behind us in the rearview mirror.
1: Well, we'll see. I always thought this team was going to start 4-0. Always thought they'd start 4-0, and then I thought they'd split from that point on. I'm not ready to to go away from from that prediction. Um, obviously, I was really specific about which games I thought they'd win and lose. I'm looking at that Arizona game right now and feeling not so <laughs> great about about saying that this was the Wildcats' turn because it's been kind of going back and forth lately. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. How they look against Cal, and if the sky keeps falling on everybody else, mm-hmm. then you you have to say if if Arizona State's gonna be consistent and they're gonna miss out on playing Stanford again this year, yep. Uh, well, in the beginning, anyway, think, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they continue their weird sort of big brother relationship with Washington. It could really be a special year, but there's gonna be a lot of close games. You're gonna yep. have to have things bounce your way. And as Todd Graham said this week, he doesn't care if it's seventy to sixty-nine or three to nothing. All he cares about is getting the win. So we'll see if they can find a way to get a win against Cal 7 p.m. on Saturday at Sun Devil Stadium. And if they can do that, then uh, then we'll look around the rest of the Pac-12 next week and we'll really start talking about what they can get done.
0: Game thread will be popping for sure because I think, Brett, you're in the building.
1: I will be in the building. I'm um... going to be in
0: the student section. I mean, I'm going to be in the building. And hanging out in the Devil's Inferno, the Double Infernos. So I'm not sure which side I'm gonna be on, but I'm gonna come, hang out, take pictures. I'm gonna be posting those within the message boards, so that everybody that's like chiming in and tuning in, they can see what the ambiance is really like. You gonna take a bunch of game. selfies? I don't know. I'm gonna take selfies, but I'm gonna let y'all know what the crowd really looks like. This real, real student section that gets real, real. So.
1: All right, and uh, I'll be. Up at the press box as well, probably sitting back by the hot dogs. Uh, and Not eating from the
0: wrong line. so Yeah, yes. I, I
1: did do that once, and I'm for that I am sorry. So we'll catch you next week. This has been the Devil's Junkie Podcast. As always, for Brett Quintine and Chili, this is Ralph Amson, and uh, we'll see you after the game.
0: I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord. It really brings me down about the devil town.